0: Yes, we they are. Connected. I am streaming. Uh,
1: and we're connected, and that goes out. We're about to hear, I think, maybe, we're going to hear some, aha, some
0: introductory
2: music,
1: melodies, poetry, oratory. Oh, for a voice like thunder and a tongue to drown. When the senses are shaken and the soul is driven to madness, who can stand? When the souls of the oppressed fight in the troubled air that rages, who can stand? When the whirlwind of fury comes from the throne of God and the frowns of his countenance drive the nations together, who can stand? when sin claps his broad wings over the battle and sails rejoicing in a flood of death, when souls are torn to everlasting fire and fiends of hell rejoice upon the
2: strain, oh, who can stand?
1: Oh, who hath caused this? Oh, who can answer at the throne of God? The kings and the nobles of the land have done it. Hear it not, heaven, thy ministers have done it. Boy, have they. All right, we'll tail Lorraine out here in a lullaby and see if we can sink our teeth into something meaty around here. Good morning, everybody, guys and girls, whether you're listening live or later, Roger Sales with you here as your host on the Radio Ranch. And, uh, we are date stamped today, Paul, July the 11th and uh we're on all several different networks and this is when i let paul come on and get his uh part of the show here because he's the one that put a lot of this together and maintains it so he might as well tell you about
0: it well i i appreciate the fact that you Reminded me that today is 7-Eleven. I mean, just be- well because IndiansOnly.com won't answer my emails or phone calls, so it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to scratch the dot off the forehead and win a 7-Eleven store yeah, yeah. anytime soon. Uh, your, your loss. Doesn't look like it. Well, I am, apparently. <laughs> we are on the flagship station, of course. That's EurofolkRadio.com. Mm-hmm. We're also mirrored and simulcast on radio.globalvoiceradio.net. Instead of the www, you just put radio.globalvoiceradio.net. And Joe's with us this morning. We might be simulcasting on 1776 ER on Rumble.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and... uh I don't see Anthony Berry, but I'll I'll bet you he's hiding in the wings somewhere. We might be on Anthony Berry uh five six two five TikTok. Yeah. Okay. Uh is that, yeah. eight six two five. Anthony Berry eight six two five. And we're also on home TV and FreedomNation TV. Uh those two stations are from WDRN Productions. And uh this is not the only show WDRN does. Uh, they're actually working on a great uh disc- disclosure series. Yeah. And uh I just got a, a script for one of the uh, one of the episodes. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. It's going to be really fun. You should check out home network.tv and freedomnation.tv for more information. Yeah. That's about all I've got. Good morning. Rob. Good morning, Paul.
1: Um well, that's the Tuesday edition here of course and should you hear construction noises ambiently in the background uh, they're hard at it today uh, right here out my window um, they were doing a bunch of sawn and stuff earlier I'm glad they cut that out um, I did find out what's going on though Paul um, my landlords are building another bathroom and uh, so that's what, oh, all the, cool. that's what all the commotion's about well it's cool for them I guess um, you know, my little spot here, my little uh, hobbit house. Um, I overlook the backyard of an architect and his family home there, and uh, they have a they have a real nice little what would you call it? A veranda, a patio with a covering and stuff, and it's got a grill out there, and it's got another thing to burn wood in to generate heat because they have parties out there, and uh, they. Uh, play a lot of cards and several nights a week, usually, and have parties and stuff. And, uh, they had a change in the house where the people used to go to the bathroom in the house, and they had knocked out a room and made a great room, and it, it exposed the, where people went to the bathroom to their, their personal space. So, uh, they're building another bathroom out there off the patio, and that's what all the, commotions about so anyway just a
0: little bit of what's going on here in hobbit land so are they going to give you are they going to give you the key to the new executive washroom Oh, I'm sure. Oh,
1: yeah, they're very nice. I mean, they, they, you know, we get along real well. And I'm sure if I need to go out there and use that bathroom that I'll be able to. But I've got my own. Actually, I've got two. I've got another one to the side of me here on the outside. And that's sometimes when they got a big gathering, what they'll use, you know, and they're kind of running past back and forth past one of my windows. And anyway, they've built, they're building a new one. So that's what all the construction stuff's about. I couldn't figure it out until I stepped out and saw the wife yesterday and had a little bit of, of a conversation with her. She speaks
0: English, by the way.
1: So, uh, anyway, that's uh, what's going on here. So if you hear that ambient noise, sorry. Uh, totally beyond my control.
0: They call, do they call that a pergola? A pergola? Like the like an no, outside I, patio? No, I
1: think a pergola is... I think it's a gondola. A, I think... Gondolas. That, I think a pergola is that animal that they wanted to say COVID came from or something. At the no, home, a pergola
3: right? is mm-hmm. It's over top of like a patio. It's like looks like a ice cube tray. <laughs>
2: okay, you know? well it's a, they've <laughs> got some skylights and
1: stuff in it. I guess you could call it a pergola. I never heard that before, but yeah, kind of. It's a nice spot. They a gondola told me.
3: is a boat. But you uh, might be thinking of a gazebo. A,
1: a gondola is also a gazebo. Uh,
0: gazebo, there we
1: go. Well, no, gazebos are
2: kinda, no,
0: they're kind of trouble.
1: Gazebos are kind of small. They're like octagon things and and uh, Yeah, anyway, like it's a patio listen, it's a patio with a covering, okay? So, uh, not to get too intense here. That's what's going on. So, they told me I could use it if I wanted to have a bunch of the gringos over we could do something like that but I, I'm not I don't, I don't see that too much in my future anyway that's what's going on if you get some noise that's what it's all about And so uh right before we went on the air though I was having a nice conversation with Nastasha and I wanted her to bring that to the air for several reasons here Nastasha first of all you're going back through United Slaves of America okay and you, you're re- rereading it and following footnotes and stuff. And I'm anxious, really, as you or someone else gets through that book, to uh, give us a little bit of a book report. Because, man, I, I, I read it 30 years ago, you know, when it came out, as I've mentioned. Um, and uh, although it no doubt will tie in a bunch to the tax issue because that was their focus, uh, there's still got to be a lot of this good information on the stuff we cover the historical part and some of the legal, uh, historical reference and stuff. And that's what you were talking about. And I wanted you to bring it to the air. So everybody, even though you're incomplete on your studies of it, uh, what, uh, what you feel and what you found and how you're going about it, I think is very interesting.
4: Um, good morning, Roger, again. So currently, um, I'm back in the section has Lex Regis replaced the common law in America? And so I'm going through that with a fine tooth comb.
1: Lex Regis, um, Lex Regis, you called it. That's Le- what,
4: that's the title of the chapter. Okay. And, and it's a question. Has Lex Regis replaced the common law in America? And, um, I guess we can, course,
1: uh, I'm going to stop you. I guess we could substitute Lex Rex for Lex Regis, right?
4: Um, Lex, probably yes, because okay. Lex Regis law is law of the king,
1: all right? And Regis yeah. is the king and the royalty, right?
4: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. For the audience, Lex Rex, and I can go back and this is what John told us. He said everything he told us is so right on. All these years later, the war we fight today is the war that's been fought since the beginning of time, and that war, that battle, is Lex Rex versus the common law and that's the battle we're in.
4: So it's it's real interesting because anyone who has this book I highly recommend reading this chapter thoroughly because he really brings in the nuances of the Anglo-Saxon common law and its change um after um William the Conqueror and
1: William the Bastard. That's what they and all so, evidently also called him. He was a bastard.
4: And then how the common law was fused with the feudal system. Mm-hmm. And so, and which actually brought in the administrative law. And so, um, so, so, to me, it's not even accurate to say that... To follow English common law because English common law did not recognize the um, the regular people if you weren't a lord if you weren't a baron right um, so and that's why the colonists hated it um, and then the lords started to see that they were going to lose their rights and privileges um and so sought to rectify that but as far as going back to that time you know it goes into detail the history of it and how they were seeking to um remove the lex regis so yesterday i it was just interesting because i was following one footnote and for me it was difficult because um The reference isn't a direct quote to a direct case so it's it's directed to this main case be opinion a decision being made in reference to another case so just the way that it was written it was difficult for me to find even the librarian had a little bit of a challenge
1: right now this is in the case you're chasing down was what did you say 1844
4: Um, it ended up following back to 1844. So in Barrie, I think is 1840, yeah, 1847. And so the original decision was made in a circuit court in New York. Okay. And so it went to the Supreme Court decision. So for anyone who has the book, the page number is 19 and it's footnote number 20. So I just found it really interesting because it took me three hours to really track track it down and to grasp the, the reference that John was using. And I ended up with four Supreme Court decision um, books in front of me to be able to track it down and to kind of wrap my head around it. Now, I
1: I wanted to add something here just for clarification for the audience. Now, we're talking in the 1800s. There was no civil war and civil law yet. We're dealing strictly on common law, okay? And I remember the site when I was in paralegal school. The only time I I was in school for six months there in the paralegal little curriculum. And in six months, they only mentioned common law one time. And that was in the legal research module. And their statement, this is the context, common law is case law. So what Nastasha is referring to here is how much they used to, it's called stare decisis, the object has already been decided, and uh, uh, how much case law prevailed there. That's the, the, the point I wanted to make to accentuate what you're telling us.
4: Sure. And And again, I'm... I'm just wrapping my arms around it, like I said. So, like, now I know I can follow it from point A to point D, where before I was starting in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So the quote is, it's the beginning of um, a quote. So it's, The government of the United States has no inherent common law prerogatives. It possesses only such as are conferred upon it by the Constitution, and therefore has no power to interfere in the personal and social relations of citizens by virtue of authority deducible from the general nature of sovereignty. Um, so it's it's a husband and wife case, um, who the husband and wife are separating, and so they have a child, and so they're fighting over child custody. The, the, the mother of the child is a U.S. citizen or a United States of America citizen. Um, it's, and the, um, the father is not. He's from England. So he ends up, from what I can see, he ends up resorting to English law. Because there was no standing for him um, without that. So, and I I can't speak to it because I need to read it all the way through. But it's real interesting because it has to do with child custody. Um, It has to do with common law. And it has to do with, um, you know, the court having basically no authority Mm -hmm. to make a decision. And it's, there's three different judges involved that are making their opinion with two within the Supreme Court because it also is referred to in a case called Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S. And that's, um, like in regards to Barry is, well, the main decision was made in 1844. So. And it, st- and it was still very relevant. I have to look beyond this, but it was still very relevant up into 1890, mm-hmm. where even the whole case was cited. Like within one of, I think, in the Burris decision, it just didn't cite the case. The whole case was recited within the opinion. So it was
1: referenced in the opinion, the entire case, huh?
4: The entire case. And that's what John references. He references that decision in regards to Barry. So anyway, I'm still getting my head wrapped around it. And now that I have the four different references, I can read them all the way through. and, And I find it to be really interesting.
2: Still
1: waters run deep, don't they?
4: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just fascinating, you know. I mean, obviously he was a very serious researcher and John to find. That, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, that's an understatement, right? But yes, it, it's still, you know, to find these. Um, I don't, they're not obscure at all, but, um,
1: they're buried. I'd
4: be curious to know what led him to it.
1: Yeah, well, you know. all this research and all he did, and I, I just know he spent the majority of his life doing this kind of stuff right here, reading these cases and going back and thinking about these things and going and finding some more cases to read, and uh, he he was uh, he was an exceptional man. Okay.
4: Well, and and what it's causing me to want to do um, thoroughly is prior to lincoln is to go back and because i started reading the first volume of the statutes at large oh, okay. and very interesting because it outlines the duties of the secretary of the state and if a mandamus can be used concerning um the secretary of the state and in and in which duty it can apply to and which it can't because he has a At least back then, I don't know if it's changed, but he had a duty directly to the president only, and then he had a duty to the people, and so um, yeah, I'm sure that
1: I'm sure that changed in 1933. Go on.
4: Yeah, yeah. So that would be interesting to see how that changed, and then also, and then also to go through, you know, some of these um, original. Decisions back during that time. And see how
1: back they during. thought.
4: Right. Right. But there's still that difference. Common law, like like you can't just say common law um, refers to, like, Anglo-Saxon law is not the same as no, it's English not. common law. There's no feudal system involved. Right. There's no real
1: management, administrative stuff. They had a king, you know, and he was always looking for money to go fight wars or something. But they didn't have that administrative state applicability, I don't think.
4: Well, it changed into an administrative state. Mm -hmm. Um, He has... um, He started bringing in – and this was back in England. This was what was so an affront to the people was that they started bringing in rules that there was no harm done to anybody.
1: Right. Like license and and stuff like they did after 33.
4: Yeah. And so – Um but again I'm still in the midst of it.
2: Well
1: we're all you know listen I'm
4: pulling and I'm pulling up and I'm pulling up Mm
2: -hmm.
4: you know the old books that are being referenced as well and also finding older books as well to make to make the distinction very clear for myself.
1: Well you've got an advantage Sean didn't have, which is the internet and most of the stuff is available. A lot of that stuff wasn't available to them back then readily, if at all. Okay. So that gives us an advantage here. Um,
4: but the law, the law library that he had used, or libraries, must have been very, very good. Univer- University, of Den-
1: University of Denver.
4: Because they have, you know, these old texts that he references. Right.
1: Yeah. They, uh, I, I don't. I'm pretty sure University of Denver is probably a federal depository. For the audience that may be new on this. Uh, that means that all of this old stuff is there. There's only a few law libraries in the state that are called federal depositories luckily for Nastasha she lives right down the street from one of them and can pop down there with two skips okay so uh, most of you don't and have and it's the that
4: second anymore. largest in yes. the whole of the United States right other so, than the Library of Congress
1: right so it's got just about everything in it that you could ever want to find I would think and uh, I really applaud you doing all that Nastasha I understand I, I kind of got bit the same way you know and uh, and it was uh, it's been a fascinating 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 part of my life, and for those of you who are new and don't have much familiarity with the law, um, my personal experience, and I'm sure several of you will also echo this, is yeah, it's new stuff, you've never had to learn it before, it can get intricate, it can be confusing, and all that. But if you can get your arms around the basics of it, it, it's going to improve your life. Because you're going to run into situations day-to-day where that logic and that knowledge can be applied in whatever the situation you're in is, okay? Uh, that's what I found, okay? You may find something different, but point is, it's not time you spend that doesn't uh, bring you back some benefit.
4: Right. Roger.
1: Yes, Samuel.
5: Hi. Hey, this is all very interesting. I, I'd like to comment a little bit on the common law, because uh, when I did some research on Blackstone, who he was and what was going on at his time, they called his commentaries for a reason, um, yes. in my opinion, because yes. he was basically looking at the history of the common law in the country under... The Roman Catholic, the Protestant, right. um, the pagan. I mean, he really was showing hundreds and hundreds of years of history right. on how people were dealing with their problems and how to resolve them. And at the time that he wrote it, there was not a school in England teaching common law. That's correct. It, according to what I read, was going to die. And never be heard from again until he wrote that. And of course, it was extremely popular and was revived in the United States or the colonies at the time because they wanted to find a way to govern themselves. And it was a perfect thing for them to read to start to put together what worked and what didn't work. Well, you That's sort of what, what I got out of it. What
1: there. Brent told us about it that, I, that stuck with me that I thought was real interesting and made the statement, um, and probably in maybe some, uh, I don't know, not in-depth as he did, instances, but that was the first time the common law had really been written down. And what he did was he was hired by someone to go into Oxford and teach the administrative law. Do you remember Brent telling us this, Samuel? He was hired yep, by I one sure of, a guy, uh, a, a bad guy, to go into Oxford and teach the administrative law. And he thought the best way to teach the administrative law was to contrast it with the common law, and went in and did lectures on the common law to achieve that. And that's what ended up being Blackstone's commentaries
4: and i just wanted to state there are books prior to blackstone yes on the common law
1: but not as complete as his so
4: okay
1: yeah. so uh but that's interesting how somebody was trying to achieve something else and he came in there and short-sheeted them and still allowed us to have this cuz they've they've listen they hate the common law they've been trying to phase it out and separate us from it well, hell, probably since uh, the fields of Runnymede in 2015. Quite honestly,
5: well, it's it, it speaks to itself. It's for the common man. It always was, and not no, for they, the elite. They, the 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 elite, in my opinion, the royal bloods. The more I'm reading on them, and they they're all in secret societies. Sure, and their whole thing is a, a new world order, and It is to control everybody on this planet Yep, and to give them too much appreciation in this whole thing. I abhor and I want to always look to the common man and what he thought in in being fair with his neighbor.
1: Well, I mean, all the way since the thing was passed down from father to son before called the tradition of the elders, we've been cattle and they've had this ornate birthright to enslave everybody. That goes back before the Talmud was ever written down, folks. This is pre-crucifixion stuff here.
5: Well, it goes back to Babylon yeah, sure. Really.
6: So, oh, you, you dug me up.
5: I well,
1: chummed him right up, didn't we? I thought that might happen.
6: Well, Nastasha did such a good job.
1: She's a good chummer. <laughs> she's a good chummer, isn't she?
6: Yeah, she is she is chummer uh, without parallel really. <laughs> uh
4: what is so, a chummer? What is a chummer? You know what
1: chumming
6: is yeah, that's
1: somebody uh, let, let's no. Talk. No. Obviously you hadn't done a lot of fishing. No. You get out in the boat and you start uh, throwing I to fish. out
4: I used to, okay. I, I used to know how to also um clean a fish
1: okay well what you do <laughs> okay, if I grew up fishing. So. if you're out there in the salt water and you're trying to get some of those bottom fish from the bottom up to the top where you can catch them easier you just start throwing out a bunch of old minnows and bait and there's all kind of chumming specialty things but it puts oh, okay. all that food in the water above them and they end up coming up to the boat okay okay oh, so that's what judgment. chumming is yeah. and that's what so we that, do with daryl quite so often that that's
6: what's she perfectly did that. She uh, she threw some bait in the water and she brought me up. I'm a bottom feeder and she brought me up. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah.
4: Are you a lobster yeah. or a crab?
6: Uh, would, Maybe
4: a crab. <laughs> I'm just a,
6: just, dirty remember, old, just a dirty old catfish. Lob,
1: remember dirty this, Nastasha. This is good. This is very uh, cra- Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight. Okay, go ahead, Daryl.
6: Well, uh, well, okay. So, I'm uh, I'm just uh, I'm just waiting with bated breath. I, I know that I had to throw that in. I'm waiting with bated breath. No
1: pun to intended.
6: When she's gonna? It was. It was definitely intended. <laughs> <laughs> definitely intended. Uh, with what she's going to find out and and what she's doing, Nastasha. Thank you. Is. A perfect example of why not all of us can do everything but you know when you have somebody uh who's a researcher like nastasia doing what she's doing you know my ears perk up because you know who i i don't i don't have time to do what she's doing because i'm doing all this other stuff and you know i'm looking she's looking at things that i'm not i can't see uh because then, if I do, there's going to be five other plates that fall down. So this is where this teamwork and crew concept really comes together. Because uh, I'm I'm just like, oh, tell me more. Tell me, tell me more. Give me another reference, you know. Uh, because it's it's some, you know. I mean, I enjoy it. She enjoys it. And there's a number of people that enjoy actually doing it, but you know. Uh, there's only so many hours in a day, so uh, thank you for sharing, Nastasha I really appreciate you.
4: Yeah. And, and part so of much. it, thank you. And part of it is um, not only wrapping your head around it because I've come in with some of my own ideas on common law that I don't agree with what I hear. Like it's been a question I've been having, but also, um, and then also, I stand on natural law and. Um, but is it's wrapping your head around, okay, where's John coming from? How is John pulling this together? You know, um, do I agree with John? Do I disagree with John? Um, you know, so, and then also looking at the individual cases that are being, um, referenced. And so then reading through them completely, cause it's really important for me to do my own study and, not just to go off of somebody else's authority mm-hmm. I, I've never worked mm-hmm. that way and let you me know, add something
1: important you I have reading, to always
4: go to the primary sources that's right. been my motto for decades is primary, primary, primary and, and, and then also my own thinking
1: and you said my reading own. the entire case that's really important because most of the people in the patriot community only Don't. read the affirmative decision
4: Yeah. And there's nuggets in those...
1: Oh, are you kidding me?
4: When you me? the whole opinion. There's like amazing nuggets that...
1: Look at the uh, Wong Kim Ark thing. They come right yeah. out and tell you it's feudalism. That was case was the case that all of the Obama birthers used. That was their primary case. It's the most important Supreme Court decision on these topics that we discuss in the whole history of our country. Is U.S. versus Wong Kim Ark. Right there in the dissent, they tell you it's the feudal system nobody ever reads the dissent I shouldn't say nobody most people
4: and the other thing I have I I just want to just state this I also have an additional skin (laughs) in the game because I started using in 2021 common law as understood um, at that time against my former employer and individuals that i'm holding accountable so it's even more you know so the question has been there for a long time and just some things didn't sink for me um so it's it's clearing the waters so anyway i yield Uh,
1: while i'm thinking about it this is a little off topic but i want to tell her because she's got roots there's a huge Guillain beret outbreak in peru I heard it mentioned several times yesterday. You might want to look oh, into that. Uh, Lima and the other big city, I don't remember what it is. Anyway, go on with the conversation. I just wanted to make sure you knew about
7: that. You'll probably hey, follow hey. up on it. Yeah, Thank Abraham. you. I Can him. I hop in on this? Sure. barre So guillain it's not contagious, right? You get it from the, from vaccines, it from, they from injections, got it. right? They got so it from they're locking the down the country.
1: Yeah, exactly.
7: For a non communicable disease, right? So they'll deny that uh, you know it's a jab, but uh, you know this thing you can't give to anyone, they'll shut it down. So I throw that in there.
1: Thank you. Peru is well, the
2: worst
6: nice. uh, in the world. The uh, the, uh, the Guillain Barré and outbreak in Peru. Well, that must be paralyzing, paralyzing people, yeah. right? Well, it is. Uh,
4: <laughs>
6: yeah, great, another fun. Yeah. Well,
4: Peru and which uh, knows, I almost moved to Peru. Peru is a huge part of my life at one point in time. And so, and it was especially during a time when, um, globalism was trying to infuse itself within the indigenous community. And I had, um, very close friendships where I learned how the indigenous community was um seeking to hold on to their traditions and there were actually Europeans and Americans and Canadians that were actually seeking to help them to do that as well, in addition to themselves. And so um, so it, it has a very proves very pertinent for me. So yeah. it's um That's why it's I wanted to take a huge part of my push. life. Yeah. I wanted
1: yeah. to so remember to mention it so I didn't forget, you know, yeah. so when yeah. that came up. So anyway, but Daryl, we sidetracked you. It, Where were you going?
6: Oh it's good. I, I just want to go back and knit a pick with you. Something you said earlier, Roger. Yeah. Uh, about uh, well not 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 in a not in a uh, condescending or mean or aggressive or defamatory way. Uh, it, it leaves people with uh, maybe not a... because uh, there's so many things to unwind here. So you, you said that I made the passing comment that prior to the Civil War or post-Civil War, there hadn't been civil, civil law. Well, in fact, there had been, but it was the civil law was the common law. Okay. The civil law was the common law of the society of the day civil law was so of the day it was the civil law of the society of the nation nations i see nation okay. states what the here's okay. now now go, go ahead i've after, got some finish. go ahead I, I want you to go ahead after yeah after after the uh uh 1866, 68, implementation in 70, reconstruction, so on and so forth. So they have they they had the civil law. Civil yes. war was to bring in the civil law. Well, it was the Roman civil law. Correct. Roman civil law. Okay, so there, I, I just wanted I just wanted to clarify that a little bit. Well, let me so, let me
1: give a little further explanation and what happened to that point. It, and I've mentioned this before, if I was to take Darrell uh, over in those days over to London and blindfold him and spin him around and get him real dizzy and walk him into one of these buildings, Darrell would know from the conversation and the words that were being used what body of law was being used. In other words, there in England, they had a court of the common law, the highest court of that being the king's bench you'll hear that referred to occasionally and then they had another for equity and they had another for maritime and they had another for admiralty and they had another for you know different different laws had their own buildings and their own courts and each one of those bodies of law have their own nomenclature you know the guy that presides over the proceeding he's called a judge in one of them he's called a chancellor in another he's called something else over here the actions that are being used are different the common law has eight basic actions uh you get over here into these other ones and they have different they call them different things okay and the remedies are all different but when the country our country was being founded we weren't sophisticated and didn't have budgets to do all that so they'd have one court and it would represent all of those bodies of law
6: Okay. So in case, so yeah, so uh, as point here, uh, the 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 Universal Commute uh, UCC Commercial Code Yes, uh,
1: law merchant
6: that that's that's used domestically
1: now. Yes, well it was it's used
6: domestically on 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 the on the residents and the citizens absolutely and. It's also known. It's also known as contract law. Yes, UCC is also known as contract law. So if you if you have a family member, uh, regrettably, who's a one of these people who walks around piously, you know, bloviating that they're a contract lawyer, uh, they're they're a law merchant uh, grifter is is what that means. Uh, I, I'm being harsh and uh because and you are supposed to be impressed by this i mean the you're law merchant that the,
1: the law merchant yeah. has got totally legitimate application here's the problem yeah it's the law of the merchants they've been using it since babylon yeah. they know it inside yeah. out upside down and they know how to take some of oh. these nuances of it and weaponize them that's the difference
6: yeah well just wait till wait till uh wait till ai get its hands on it, and you start you start dealing with it when it's making contracts. But anyway, I just you brought out something I want to make a really hard point on with people that has been floating around in front of your eyes in the narratives, and people talk about, oh well, you know, there's some good ones here, and they're not all bad, and and uh, it's only this, and it's only that. Uh, when you buy into that, when you buy into it psychologically what you, this is what you're buying into you're buying into the idea that the exception is the rule and that's in, that inverts reality when you buy into the narrative the excuse the fraud that the exception is the rule you're you're mentally rolled okay so uh that that's really kind of off point but it's uh, it's really important i i don't i don't care how many good cops there are or good politicians or good Jews or any or anybody else if you want to, whoever you want to call good it's irrelevant it doesn't matter because what you're saying is the exception is the rule and and you you can't counter that Okay. Can I you, use an example? You won't stand here? against it.
1: We got a lot of new, yeah. you know, we got, a lot, I think, maybe a lot of at least some new people. And this is this is advanced stuff we're talking about here. Okay? And I don't want to lose you, and I want you to be able to get some basis here. The UCC, the Uniform Commercial Code, which I had an attorney in. In Atlanta, in our Patriot group, said, We're not being, we're not on the Constitution, we're ruled by the UCC. That's what the, he told me, okay, back in the 90s. The UCC, for thousands of years, was called the Law Merchant. It's still referred to as the Law Merchant or the Law of Merchants, and its origin was the Babylonian Merchant Code, which I encourage all of y'all to go get that. Uh, book on com. It's right over there on the right. You can probably search it up too. It's called Historical Jurisprudence. And the first 90 pages of historical jurisprudence, the whole history of jurisprudence, the first 90 pages are on the Babylonian Merchant Code. Okay? Now let's take one specific example of what you were talking about, Daryl, that's topical and everybody understands self help remedies. Now, you may not understand that title, but if I said levy, lien, garnishment, and seizure, you'd understand it pretty well. And those are called self-help remedies. That comes from the Babylonian Merchant Code. And what they did was rather than go through the long formal setting of a common law procedure with juries and decisions and judgments and filing to get a remedy, they shortened that. Okay, where the remedy is written in the contract. So you agree when you contract to the remedy that's written in the clauses of the contract, and that allows them, should you Uh, Should you miss a payment or two, whatever the state legislature in the example I'm going to use here provides, if you miss two car payments, they don't have to go to court and get on the docket, get in front of a jury, have a trial, get a judgment, file the judgment, and come take the car that you didn't pay the payments on because that could take a lot of time and you may be in Tierra del Fuego with that car by then. So they have positive applications, but these guys use them negatively. They put these things in. We don't know what they are. All of a sudden, the IRS comes and seizes your car in the morning at 7 o'clock, and you impute all this power and authority into them that they didn't get except through this method of contracting. So it allows them to perpetrate terrorism and scare the hell out of you and make you think they've got all this power that you gave them when you signed the contract.
6: Thank you. In, in, uh, in old English language, you would have, what you're describing is somebody who's a knave. Yeah. You're a (laughs) knave. Uh the uh that that's a really good example uh, and uh, I had one other point I was gonna make
1: but my my point is that's the one yeah. that is a yeah. very positive yeah. usage of this that these oh. guys twist and weaponize yeah,
6: yeah. Uh, that's a good that's a really good example it's uh, here's here's what you you know. I'm just—I'm giving you—I don't know. Maybe it's a Darylism, a cornbread. It's a—it's a maxim, okay. a maxim. Addict. Whenever you see, whenever whoever it is, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who it is, wherever it's coming from. When they are claiming virtue on or or something on the basis to the exception to the rule, you're being played. You're being played yeah. every time. Yeah. When when you accept the exception to the rule, uh, and and I, I, that might that might be abstract to a lot of people right now. I'm sure a lot of you do get it, but it helps to be able to put it into words when they say, "Oh, well, this is good and this is good," oh, so that's the exception to the rule. Well, it's just a little pedophilia. that's right? <laughs> it's just it's just a little bit of. Gen- child genital mutilation. Okay, that's that's a, that's a case of exception to the rule.
1: It's only uh, a circumcision.
6: Now, yeah, uh, don't even get me started, you know. <laughs> no, don't, don't get me started. Don't get me started. Gen- they, uh, anyway. That was a, something you were talking back about. Back in college. <laughs> yeah. It was a crazy yeah. time. <laughs> that,
4: that's when you were cynicists. Let me give yeah. a hint. Let me give a hint to the audience. If anybody's looking for Daryl's cornbread journal, <laughs> it doesn't exist. I spent 30 minutes looking for the damn journal.
1: Couldn't find it.
4: I even, thought he had a newsletter.
1: Even in the, for, even in the, yeah. <laughs> all,
4: all I could find was cornbread, cornbread recipes. You were not in the anyway, Dewey desk yeah. the
6: catalog, Daryl.
4: <laughs> and I contacted yeah. Like, Daryl. Yeah. Well, where's your newsletter?
6: <laughs> well, you know, it's, Oh, I, I tell you what, I, I, if you know, I should write one, and, but I should charge extra for beans and greens to go along with the cornbread. Yeah,
2: yeah.
6: but collards, uh, the, 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 they've the, got to be collards, Daryl. Daryl, it's actually the cornbread dictionary. <laughs> That's what it is. Cornbread
8: dictionary,
6: corn cornbread dictionary. I love it. Um, I, I'm going to forget, so I got I got I got to barge ahead here. Roger was talking about with the Babylonian merchant law, maybe this will help put it into a, a better visual picture to, you know give you some continuity over the thousands of years it's been used. This the entire road from England to China, the entire operation over its entire existence, going into Rome and everywhere else. Was based on the merchant law. The
1: merchant law. The,
6: the Silk Road. The, so that's a big deal. Silk Road's a big deal, and so when you have, when you have uh, the seafaring powers now, the now on, uh, when you had the, uh, the the city of Tyre and the Canaanites and Carthage and the Phoenicians, or whatever you want to call these 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 people. Uh, they're using the Babylonian merchant law on the sea. Mm-hmm. Okay. At the same time, the Silk Road is going on. Right. It 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 encompasses the entire known world and commerce for thousands of years. And and they uh, and they use, they do use it for trade and for which are legitimate, and then they also use it for nefarious purposes. Now, uh, domestically let me so what is this what's this got to do with me? Uh, well well uh, domestically in the in the, the corporate states of the United States and domestically here for residents, aliens and whoever else wants to contract, they call it the UCC okay now uh, these are individuals contracting these are individual contracts that are Established. So, so what do you do at ports of entry and on the high seas when you're dealing with international commerce? If you're at ports of entry on the East Coast, Florida, Gulf of Mexico, West Coast, or you know wherever you're at, wherever else you're at in the world, could be anywhere else in the world. What kind What kind of international commercial codes are used there? Maritime. On on. It. Oh, thank you. But okay, so that's the that's the maritime or admiralty slash maritime version of the law merchant on an on an international basis, not domestic, international on the sea. And so, uh, you know, I
1: it's important. I remember John telling us along this line just for separation and clarification. They used to have different courts for admiralty and maritime, and at some point, and I don't know when, the English combined them. That's why it's referred to like that today.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I I thought that all happened on Gilligan's Island, but yeah. you know, the, min- I, the I, I minnow, wished, I wasted my time. The
1: little minnow there.
6: Yeah. I, 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 um,. The uh, there's one other thing that um, Nastasha was talking about that I wanted to bring into play here, because I I like I said I appreciate what she's doing because I don't have to duplicate it as <laughs> to the extent that she is if she's doing it <laughs> and but what it does is it plays into what I've been digging into for several years now that goes before that. And uh, so when you're talking about English common law and you're talking about Anglo-Saxons, you're talking about Britain. And what was the common man's condition in that in the previous 500 years? And uh, what courts uh, were available to those common men, uh, either common free man or the servant? They had servants. And they also had indentures.
1: Well, yes, they did. let Let me bring up a point here that's important. On the feud in the area in time of the feudal system the law merchant was used as the law on, on the manor. It was called the menorah law. They picked that up because in the early days of feudalism, you had what were called trading fairs throughout England, I mean throughout Europe, where the mer- people would bring their goods and, and, and do a, a trading fair, and that's the law that was used at the trading fairs, the law of the merchants, and yep. they transferred it over to the feudal system.
6: Yep. yep that's right now I, I don't want i don't want people left with the under, uh, the the perception that you were either a king or a a person of peerage or you know with a nobility and aristocracy title or you were a serf there were other yeah. there were other per- percentages there there were there were free free people okay free they're lit, they're, they're free they're not they're not servants they're not indentured they're not serfs uh, they're not uh, nobles uh, a gag when I say that uh, they weren't a part of the aristocracy gag again uh, and and so they this actually is the majority of the, the the living souls that were on that land was they were they were free right now they had all kinds of different individual circumstances. But they weren't all serfs, and or 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 villeins, or uh, uh, in in that situation over the last five hundred years. But they did have. Here's where it gets interesting. See, a common man, even a servant or a serf, could bring a suit at common law.
1: Yes, if he was on. If he they could injured. do
6: that. Out, now, uh, yeah. So, a a a uh, uh, at a a landlord, a uh, a villein who had serfs working for him, he 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 could discipline them, but he couldn't injure them uh, to a certain degree. You know, they might get a beat, they might get a whipping, but that was. They kept an eye on it. Uh, you definitely couldn't kill one. Okay, yeah, you could you you couldn't kill an English surf You were in trouble. All right, so um, you know it, what they the, called the, the point them, I'm it, trying to make here is
1: in one of the inserts yeah. in my book, and I don't remember whether it was Cook, spell Coke, pronounce Cook, Pollock or Maitland. I think it was Cook, Darrell, who who referred to the villainage of England not as serfs, but as the unfree.
6: Yeah, the unfree, yeah. I mean, that's much more accurate, okay? Yeah, 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 it is. Uh, Because unfree uh, covers the the whole spectrum, Uh, and and slavery is not a function – of the of the word term it's a it's a function of the experience so whether you were a chattel slave and indentured servant or a prisoner there's little distinction in the experience and uh so and all those are unfree
1: and don't forget uh, that when william but, but the conqueror the, brought this system yep. over to england he didn't bring involuntary servitude which was in the system in europe because England has a free soil doctrine That there's never a slave born on the land of England so th- And you volunteered into it Because the only category left was a voluntary serf And it was your action and agreement that instituted that So you weren't a slave, but you weren't free
6: Yeah, it it, it didn't hurt that they had control To manipulate the circumstances So you would want to do that contract you know, but uh, the there is a point, and I'm just amazed it's taken this long for me to get here. Uh, there's a 500 year, well, actually 400 year history, uh, starting with Queen Elizabeth the first of administrative state law, administrative law and i'm amazed and i am just amazed i've never heard anybody ever talk about it Brent, nobody okay just no one they don't get it or they're not aware of it they're not, they're, not yeah, of it. Not they it, they're not aware of it it's not they don't get it they don't aware of it i think that's it and and what this is is what i started digging into i don't know 3 years ago or 4 i don't know it's uh these are the called the the enclosure acts and the poor laws, and uh, this is this is where, uh, starting under Queen Elizabeth, uh, they're literally putting people into the equivalent of fifteen-minute cities, or fifteen mile, fifteen-minute during Queen Elizabeth's time, and the poor laws that if, if you met a certain criteria or couldn't meet a certain criteria, you were then become a ward of that ward. A social
1: <laughs> a social system. And you
6: and you you couldn't you couldn't leave and other ones couldn't come in. Huh. And you couldn't marry without permission. And this was this was done under the auspices of the Enclosure Acts, due to uh, uh, harvest famine, poor economic times, and uh, was the uh, the uh, administrative welfare state. And, and uh, these uh, acts, Enclosure Acts, and Poor Laws went on all the way up into the eighteen hundreds. Hmm. Yeah, this is this is. This is the what I would consider, I think it wouldn't be going too far or uh, mis, uh, mischaracterizing it as the uh, English administrative state starting with Queen Elizabeth mm-hmm. and the poor laws. And so I've studied them quite a bit. I've read a lot about them. I've read about how they were administrated by the Burgesses. The Burgesses administrated them. And uh, the mayors mm-hmm. of those of those enclosures and those wards and those districts, and and they had teeth. It had real teeth. Uh, they enforced it. And now uh, this is this is the the pattern, the template for a socialist administrative state. Yep. Yeah. Carol, is, is, I, I, and they didn't use the call. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ms. Josh.
4: I, well, I just wanted to say quickly, and, and, cause I don't want to misspeak, you know, and I don't want to misrepresent John or anything, but I think that John does reference what you're referring to, not in mm-hmm. detailed, because he, he, in this chapter he refers to, um, victimless crime, and, um, and he does talk about the well, the lex regis, which brings in the um,
1: administrative the administrative state, state
4: yeah. rules yeah. that yeah. that are not their victimless crimes, you know, I, that are just determined. I instead. can promise he, you guys he, does this. Speak, he he does speak to that.
1: Darrell, I'm sorry and, that you never got a chance to meet or converse with John because my feeling is if there's anything in the history of England he knew
6: about it well I appreciate pointing that out Nastasha and Roger Uh, when I say that I say well I'm not aware that other people are connecting that that statement is mostly based upon my ignorance of what other people have done Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not that they're ignorant it's that I'm ignorant of what they've done and but uh, I, I've been trying to blow this horn for, you know, people who have been around here for two, three, four years who have heard me blowing this horn. Every once in a while, you hear me say poor laws, enclosure acts, you know, and and na- so there's nothing new here. They're just going to use they're using a a technocratic technology and scientism uh, with your participation to uh, techni- technically. Um, uh implement these enclosures yep uh and its it's the same absolutely they had hey, guess what listen, they had a uni- universal basic income back okay. then for the
1: poor people
6: it was yeah, it was a pittance for repentance, mm-hmm. but uh, you know they had it then there's there's nothing new here. The technology is different, hey, but there's nothing. Yeah, go
1: ahead. Yeah, Abram. Before you pipe in, I gotta add something. There's nothing new under the sure. sun. Go yeah. ahead, Abram.
7: So, what? What did? What was the solution that defeated the uh, the poor laws or, or or these circumstances? What did the people do back in this time to free themselves from this? You know, because you know, history repeats. And they're not creative. Yeah. They use the same tactics um, over and over. So how, did, how was it defeated before?
6: Listen, if you were here, I'd be buying you a cup of coffee. That's just a, the most obvious, brilliant question to ask, and thank you. They didn't. That's the answer. They never did. Uh, that's, why, that's why communism, socialism emerged from um, uh, 19th and uh, 18th century uh, Britain. This is where this is the origins mm. of it uh, in in modernity, and uh, they never they never freed themselves from well, it. They never did. Uh, I mean, now, now economically, economic, well. e- economically uh, the industrial revolution kind of lifted uh, them out the of the early it, 1800s, eighteen hundreds eighteen eighteen 1825, mm. uh, Of course, that was there was a lot of there was a lot of you know drama there with the Luddites and uh, and the Corn Act and and people saying no no we don't want to do this and of course this was the rise of the Imperial uh, British East India Company during yep. this time and the narco trade yep with with capital
1: and the slave uh, trade.
6: capital expanding uh, out. To the Leviathan subsuming the entire uh, commercial uh, presence on the planet Earth, uh, if you want to call it a planet. Uh, don't, don't fight with me on that. It's just a figure of speech. And uh, <clears throat> so this, this, is, this is what happened as well as uh, the British have been hell, hell-bent on starting wars and killing people uh, every time it got crowded. <laughs> and and uh, one of, one of the main ways that they would get rid of, of their uh, used up useful idiot troops uh, through the 1600s, 1700s and 1800s uh, and their poor people was to either ship them off to the colonies uh, and transport convict trade, which nobody ever talks about. Uh, they got rid of thousands and th- tens of thousands of them uh, in the convict trade, carry trade, which uh, they were white, Scottish and
7: English, uh, and Irish. right on, on occasion. They, and then they, they killed put a them lot on boats of people. and sail them out to the and, sea they, and take the boat. All the, all and more- they and
6: they killed a lot of people in Man. wars, yeah. including their own. And they were always trying to figure out how to get rid of people out of England, and they're their wastrels, the poor people, and and anybody else they didn't like, you know, whether they had common law or not, you better be careful. You you end yourself up on a boat, ending up in the colonies, working for somebody for 8, 10 years as an indentured servant. And here's the the kicker. Uh, Only 20% of these people, uh, on a mean average over the time that it happened, only 20% of them survived their indenture. So you, see, you say, well, let's say, well, uh, you know, be, being a white indentured uh, slave, it was different than being a, a lifetime chattel black slave. Yeah. Well, were... yeah, your chances of surviving were about 95% better if you were a black chattel slave than a white indentured Irishman, Englishman or Scotsman. Very true. Because they didn't survive. They didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. And
7: They do not going to let that. the competition
1: on No, they had yeah. to pay big well, money For the black slaves The white slaves were cheap yeah. They're the ones that worked in the fields The black yeah. slaves were the servants yeah. in the house yeah.
3: That's where the yeah. term yeah. redneck came from Sure it is yeah.
6: it, will, and, uh, Quit taking away my victimhood We're taking away my We're sorry Come Brent. on down to Alabama And,
3: <laughs> and don't forget Australia <laughs>
6: They no no yeah, Australia's well, see, center. So the the Australian the Australian uh, the Australian convict trade did not start in in it, it, it did not begin until the convict trade ended in the colonies.
2: Of and Georgia. it didn't
6: end in the colonies until most interesting, very interesting it ends in 1787-89 at the time of the Constitutional Convention, uh, and and at that uh, – I think it's like 1789, and from that point forward uh, – and, and not because of the Constitution, by the way, but at that point forward, uh, convicts – convict ships were not allowed uh, – in American to dock, and and King George goes. Well, I guess I guess we can't dump our trash over there anymore. And at that point forward, not before, but that point forward is when the convict trade went to Australia, and that's why they called it a penal colony. When in fact the colonies in, uh, had been a convict colony prior to that for uh, um, a better part of two hundred years. I believe
1: Georgia was the state yeah. where they ran a whole bunch of those convicts into.
6: Yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, press gangs didn't start. And the as I understand it,
7: yeah, yeah. The, the, it was sold to King George because uh, they said, yeah, well, you know, there's no state named after you. Gotcha. And so, you know, Georgia was made.
6: Yeah so i mean it's just it's just kind of amazing uh, and and i you know the, the 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 hard part about it is is that it, it sounds like i'm uh, being anti-american well i'm not i'm just i i'm after the idea that we have to know the truth so we can make the mythology a reality i don't want to live in a mythology i want to live with what is being what it really is thank you bill clinton i really want it to be what it is that's how naive and gullible and idealist i am and i don't want to hear the the bs about the the made up 225 years of the bs history about the founding fathers it's all uh it it, there's a lot of garbage in there that keeps people thinking that there is some wonderful thing okay and in fact they were just bad. They were they were just men. And when you actually read the documents and their own words, not the ones that David Barton sell you, not the ones that Chris Ann Hall sell you, not the ones that the politicians sell you, not the one that the Marxist educators sell you. You find out that these were just men. OK, with well, good and bad and whatever. But we you have to get over this. You have to get over this, this, this these fantasies and mythologies if you want reality. And this is why, this is why people uh, get stuck. They, they they get stuck with uh, going back and supporting government. Well, if we can just get this guy in, or if this just happens, and they never, they never, uh, it never moves in a direction that they would uh, want it to. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I, I'm not against America. I'm not against America. I'm I'm I I feel. I'm, I'm all for it. Okay, I, I just want to get to the truth. I, I, I probably most aligned with guys like Samuel Bryan and Patrick Henry, yeah, who were the leading causes of the anti-federalists that you would never educated on, never told about, and nobody ever will be if government, school system, and media have and historians have anything to do with it. You won't know anything about them. And these people called it in their original writings in their anti federalist papers. They called it to a T what would happen to the nth degree and it's happened. Yep. So you tell me who was right. Yep. Alexander Hamilton or Patrick Henry. Yep.
4: Yeah, when you when okay. you actually you,
6: yeah.
4: When you actually read the Anti Federalist papers, because I, I, you know, reread them a few years ago and it's um yeah it's it's exactly what's taking place. It's an
1: indictment of exactly and, what's happening.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Somebody and was there was in, t- a way, the federal, in a way, the Federalists were correct as well. Um, it's just been coded in another way. Yeah. Because they did achieve what they sought to achieve. So
1: yeah. there was somebody trying to pipe in when Daryl was talking there. Was it Bob? That is me. Hey, I thought I recognized. It was a little
8: more relevant about fifteen minutes ago, but it's (laughs) kind of come back to it. I saw the perfect cartoon. I like cartoons. I got a fifth grade education. How about that? They're very. They 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 gel things down to a very uh, salient level. So this mouse is approaching the mousetrap. The cheese is on the trip, and the caption says. Socialism works because the mouse doesn't understand why the cheese is free. <laughs> and I loved it. Yeah. I sent it to my family. I Who's said, that? Put Who's this that? down in your soul. This is a fact. Demons, dividers of benefits. It's free. Nothing's free, buddy. Nothing's free in this world. Most powerful.
2: Word, world.
1: Most powerful. most powerful word in the language. Free. Yeah.
2: Now, Bob, wasn't
1: it you that was relating hey, the cartoon where the guy was at a bureaucrat's desk saying, "Where do I sign up for my freedom?" Yes.
2: <laughs> exactly.
8: I love that one. Where do I sign up for my freedom? <laughs> and of course, he's happy to oblige. We'll go oh. down to the next window and ask them because yep. the, that's their they're in charge of freedom. He'll
1: put a form. <laughs> he'll put a form in front, in front of, of you in two side. shakes of a lamb's tail, now.
6: There you go. Anyway, well, they, you know, the next, I guess the next thing they'll be doing is selling freedom licenses. Right, right. Freedom right. and liberty right. licenses.
8: Well, there you go. Why did I think of that? Hey, I, I need to yeah. put this on the internet. I can get rich. I
7: think DS already beat you guys to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I think. So. Yeah. They already have that. That's your driver's license for locomotion, right? Well, so that's, that's right. The that's definition right. of uh, uh liberty is locomotion.
5: That is your license for free. Well they
6: got it? a. they they got a they got a license for, for driving with liberty and they they have a licenses for libation, so I guess it all it all comes around. I don't
5: know. It's um, uh, uh Daryl, uh, I'm, I'm gonna when we talk about when you talk about strides in the common law and that they never really achieved any of them, that's sort of true be, uh, to a big extent until they started to mass print the Bible in English and it got spread. Then there was a big change because people had this higher authority other than the King to actually pay attention to and had and had the had the scriptures at hand for those who could read. That's a well, good point. I mean um, you can see you know, how much they, of an they obstacle control it with narratives.
1: You can see how much of an obstacle the Bible is. No Harari wants to have AI rewrite it so we can have perfect religion.
6: Yeah. Well see that what Samuel's talking about did manifest genuinely manifest itself in uh, on the American continent. Yes. And in this place called America, it genuinely did manifest itself uh, actually throughout the entire, uh, you know, inhabitation of Englishmen uh, and Scots and and whoever else was here uh, from 1620 all the way up, you know, to whenever. I mean, that's always been there what i was referring to earlier samuel is that britain was lost a long time ago yeah it it it, it once you go so here's here's the uh, here's the, the dreadful reality of the circumstances and position of your condition right now is that uh you know maybe Nastasia or somebody can correct me and i hope so show a precedent if somebody knows more about this than, or from a different source than I do I'm not I'm not aware of uh, any any Western country that ever went socialist that ever got back out of it. and England was the forerunner
2: mm-hmm.
6: Britain okay and this is why they they lost their 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 right to self-defense and arms a long time ago. This is why they uh, you know it's it's regrettable but but the the, the qualities the qualities that you're talking to uh, Samuel manifested themselves on the Americas but have never been able to uh, meaningfully do anything for the British or English people uh, in my opinion that's just my opinion so. Uh, well, hey, higher authority. Uh, talking
1: about? Do Mers talking about higher authority?
7: I was reading that. Uh, so, Black's Law Dictionary has a definition for nationality, and uh, at the end, it, it you know it differs from territoriality in that uh, you know a territory is a region, and one of the things you know, I could I could pull it up real quick, but uh, if, if you're interested, in just read it real quick, I, I read it the other day. But the the last two words of it. It's that example, the Jews, right, for nationality. And so I think what they've done, this is high-octane speculation, is that they've created this national status. And, I'm, you know, I would bet good money that it applies everywhere in the world. I would bet good money that everywhere that's at least a has a Western-type country, because these folks want to have their own freedom for their people within every country so they can operate independent of the actual laws, right? And so I think they already carved this out. Uh, I'm, I'm really trying to find this this national thing. Uh, you know, because anytime you, you hear of anyone, Russians here in the United States, they're a Russian national, national you know, are exactly. uh, exactly. Japan, okay. Japanese national, right? And uh-huh. so this is a legal term that they've carved out. And so I yes, think that is. we have the key and we can, we, we're pulling the thread, right? And the sweater's coming undone. Yep. But uh, what what we need to do is we need, like, if you had a book or if there was an easy to read story that tells the tale of, the, the real tale of the slavery situation, right, where there was white slaves, there was black slaves, there was every kind of slavery. The, the Chinese were brought over for the railroads and so on, right? Uh, right now we're fighting a narrative war where they're dividing us and conquering us, right? And it's they're winning, right? So we need our narrative, which, I mean, we, the truth is also a narrative, right? People don't like to hear it, but the truth is true, and, and people will interpret it as a narrative, so, uh, you know, I guess my, uh, the solution I think would be to free the other people in the other countries, right? Like, the, the, uh, the poor man's laws or whatever they're called, I'm sorry, uh, they were, they were rolled back somehow, right? I think we can roll this back. Like, uh, I don't know. I'm still optimistic. Well, I
1: think that's where John Smith's approach with the common law birth certificate, and he claims it works in every country, and it may. I just don't know. But I think I know what's operating there is the common law birth certificate is rebutting the presumption that they have a property right in you at birth the same way we do from birth, okay? But the unfortunate aspect of the other countries is they don't have a clear-cut delineated to Two status system, okay. But now again,
7: well, maybe they do.
1: Well, maybe they do because and, you know
7: uh, these folks have worked like internationally forever, right? So they're gonna they're they're gonna carve out like the, the the people that rule you never have the same set of laws apply to them, right? Of course, like not. we identified the British and the plight of the British with alleged British rulers, right? But any society, every society in history, the 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 rulers. Never identify with the people they rule. Of course, they not. always, you know, they always have a story about they're a separate class, or they came from here, or here, or here, so on, and so forth. Right? There's always a minority population ruling the majority. Well, so, you know, uh, these the guys. British,
3: the British conquered the English.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, a- a- Abram, I would point out Gary, our good listener Gary, who we don't get to see too much anymore, unfortunately, because of his schedule, uh, sent me a. a a JPEG of some English document, official, and at the bottom of the document, you know how many statuses they've got in England? Six. And one of them is an English national. There it is. And yeah, they do attach hey, that term all over the place, national to foreigners. Hey, Alan, how are you doing, buddy?
6: all right uh y'all speaking on that canada also has a national status
1: uh and citizens they have a dual status mm-hmm. in canada too
5: uh and there's court cases up there in canada on that
1: well there's some attorneys up there yep, fighting, I, I wondered they're fighting uh, for the indigenous people that they've stolen all their resources.
7: Well, well, you bet that the indigenous people are nationals. Yeah, well, I, you bet. That's what I'd
6: bet here.
3: Well, they call them. Here,
6: here's a, Let me give you a. Let me give you a baseline here. All all, Commonwealth, all Commonwealth countries have this. Um, are under under the same operating system. Mm-hmm. All countries in the EU in the EU. Operating on this same operating system. And the only and
7: global,
1: one that I can't. Uh, legal system. Yeah, it's UNESCO. Yeah, right? they're new global cover. legal system? Well, yeah, it's all based on UCC, Babylonian Code. What's the an acronym yeah. of that the, thing? The only or, one I. I keep on saying UNESCO, yeah. and I know that's not it, but it's similar. Uh,
6: um, well, UNESCO's got a lot to do with this, but. Uh, the only country, so-called country, I can't confirm that's uh, on, based on this system, uh, and I'm not sure really what it is. It's 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 neutral. It's it's Switzerland. I they they seem to be a, uh, the exception to every rule. Yes. So
3: it's a Rothschild. Uh, you, you might want to.
6: You might want to. You might want to focus your attention on on uh, the exception to the rule. <laughs> okay so um, yeah well listen uh, yeah, I, I take all your points really well but, but here's here's the critical thing. here's the critical thing you got to get your cart behind the horse okay so to, uh, so to speak this this has to go not not to the information that's wonderful it's I'm not taking anything away from that. It goes to, do you want to be free?
1: That's the whole question.
6: Because if, if you don't want to be free, none of this matters. That's right. Any, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to any of them. You have to want to be free and fight for it and and have the same attitude that Patrick Henry said in in the House of Burgesses in nineteen eighteen or 1760 when he said, you know, give me liberty or give me death. Yeah, but You have Darryl, to want it that bad.
4: You have but, Daryl, I have to. I have to state that that the first paragraph of that speech is more important than the last two words. The last two words give me liberty or give me, well, four words. Powerful in themselves. Yeah. But yeah. it's that's become a platitude to where I think for most people yeah. it just washes by. Whereas I found the first paragraph to be mm-hmm. what is so vitally needed among. Can
6: you read it? Can you read it for us?
4: Um, yeah, let me let me get it.
6: Because um, uh, I, I I don't I, disagree I, with you.
1: <laughs> also, I've, I was going to say you, it's not only ahead. after to be free you got to want the truth. The truth, want the I, truth, is what will lead your freedom.
4: And what I take exception to is the the quote: "They are winning." Well, when yeah, it comes me too. to me. When it comes to me, no, they're not winning. No, they're sorry, losing. they're losing. <laughs> they're right not now. winning no, they're because not. you know what? Even uh, there's nothing that they could do to me because I am a a free woman. I am a free soul, and there's nothing they could do to me. Yep. But they're not winning, and and I think that that's part of giving them power, and that's a huge <coughs> assumption. But let me let me find the. Let me get the Patrick Henry first paragraph. Uh, I I agree
1: with you, Nastasha, while you're looking for that. They're losing, and they're stepping up their game. Because they're losing and they know the awareness is building, they're getting exposed to every one of these uh, uh, big uh, uh, big endeavors they're undertaking, or at least a lot of them, and they can't handle that. And so you heard the woman at one of the meetings in Europe who was one of the panelists said, we got to hurry, the window's closing. They know that, okay? And so they ex- accelerate their agenda and bring more guns to the front, and that's when they make mistakes, folks.
3: There's a link in there, and, the I found it. you.
4: and No, I found it, the one that I want to read from. Okay. Thank you. Um, so March 23rd, 1775. And this is, I'm reading from Avalon website. Um, and, and again, and I'm, I'm going to go a little bit into the second paragraph because it goes, it addresses what, has just been stated um, because I'm not one that puts word I, I don't like the word hope um, and Patrick Henry addresses that as well but alright so the first paragraph no man thinks more highly than I do of the patriotism as well as abilities of the very worthy gentlemen who have just addressed the house but different men are often see the same subject in different lights and therefore i hope it will not be thought disrespectful to these gentlemen if entertaining as i do opinions of a character very opposite to theirs i shall speak forth my sentiments freely and without reserve this is no time for ceremony the question before the House is one of awful moment to this country. For my own part, I consider it as nothing less than a question of freedom or slavery. And in proportion to the magnitude of the subject ought to be the freedom of the debate. It is only in this way that we can hope to arrive at truth and fulfill the great responsibility which we hold to God in our country. Should I keep back my opinions at such a time through fear of giving offense, I should consider myself as guilty of treason towards my country and of an act of disloyalty toward the majesty of heaven, which I revere above all earthly kings. And in the second paragraph, he states, Mr. President, it is natural to man to indulge in the illusions of hope we are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth and listen to the song of the siren till she transforms us into beasts it is this the part of wise men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty are we disposed to be of the number of those who having eyes see not and having ears hear not the things which so nearly concern their temporal salvation for my part, whatever anguish of spirit it may cost, I am willing to know the whole truth to know the worst and to provide for it. And then he goes forward. So those are the first paragraphs, but I think the first paragraph is so vital and so needed. And I've, I've used parts of his first paragraph when I've written to, city and county, my local city and not my, the city, county and local um, elected and appointed servants. So,
1: Somebody was trying to inject something there.
7: I love it. Okay.
1: There's part of that where he says the cannons are coming from the north and stuff like that. I, I remember reading that years ago it's probably a little later down uh, from where you stopped Nastasha
4: yeah I think that's um, the
1: last part where he leads up to give me liberty and give me death I
4: have. let me just I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided and that is the lamp of experience I know of no way of judging of the future but by the past and judging by the past I wish to know what there has been in the conduct of the British Ministry ministry for the last 10 years to justify those hopes with which gentlemen have been pleased to solace themselves and the House. Is it that insidious smile with which our petition has been lately received? Trust it not, sir. It will prove a snare to your feet. Suffer not yourselves to be betrayed with a kiss. Ask yourselves how this gracious reception of our petition comports with those warlike preparations which cover our waters and darken our land. Are fleets and armies necessary to a work of love and reconciliation? Have we shown ourselves so unwilling to be reconciled that force must be called in to win back our love? Let us not deceive ourselves, sir. These are the implements of war and subjugation, the last arguments to which kings resort. I ask, gentlemen, sir, what means this martial array if its purpose be not to force us to submission? "'Can gentlemen assign any other possible motive for it? "'Has Great Britain any enemy in this quarter of the world "'to call for all this accumulation of navies and armies? "'No, sir, she has none. "'They are meant for us. "'They can be meant for no other.' They are sent over to bind and rivet upon us those chains which the British ministry ministry have been so long forging. And what have we to oppose to them? Shall we try argument? Sir, we have been trying that for the last 10 years. Have we anything new to offer upon the subject? Nothing. We have held the subject up in every light of which it is capable, but it has been all in vain. Shall we resort to entreaty and humble supplication? What terms shall we find which have not been already exhausted? Let us not, I beseech you, sir deceive ourselves. Sir, we have done everything that could be done to avert the storm which is now coming on. We have petitioned. We have remonstrated. We have supplicated. We have prostrated ourselves before the throne and have implored its interposition to arrest the tyrannical hands of the ministry and parliament. Our petitions have been slighted. Our, remonstr- our remonstrances have produced additional violence and insult. Our supplications have been disregarded, and we have been spurned with contempt from the foot of the throne. In vain, after these things, we may indulge the fond hope of peace and reconciliation. There is no longer any room for hope. If we wish to be free, if we mean to preserve in violet those inestimable privileges for which we have been so long contending. If we mean not basely to abandon the noble struggle in which we have been so long engaged, in which we have pledged ourselves never to abandon until the glorious object of our contest shall be obtained, we must fight. I repeat it, sir, we must fight. An appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that is left to us. There's just two more paragraphs. They tell us, sir, that we are weak, unable to cope with so formidable an adversary. But when shall we be stronger? Will it be the next week or the next year? Will it be when we are totally disarmed and when a British guard shall be stationed in every house? Shall we gather strength by irresolution and inaction? Shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying? Supinely on our backs and hugging the delusive phantom of hope until our enemies shall have bound us hand and foot. Sir, we are not weak if we make a proper use of those means which the God of nature hath placed in our power. The millions of people armed in the holy cause of liberty, and in such a country as that which we possess, are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations, and who will raise up friends to fight our battles for us. The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, the brave. Besides, sir, we have no election. If we were base enough to desire it, it is now too late to retire from the contest. There is no retreat. But in submission and slavery, our chains are forged. Their clanking may be heard on the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable and let it come. I repeat it, sir. Let it come. The last paragraph. It is in vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace. But there is no peace. The war is actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, Almighty God, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death.
1: Obviously not a uh, common school graduate. There, by the way, is the difference between a politician and a statesman.
6: Yeah, very well read. Thank you, Nastasha. That was really very well read. Yeah, thank you. uh,
3: Thank you. uh, you know, I, I, he learned, though, yeah. from the Isn't, minister, right? Right. You right. know, when when we were learning how, how this all came about, his mother on the ride, the carriage ride from the uh, sermon at the church, she would ask him to reiterate what was said. And this is how he was really self-taught.
7: Right. I th- you should hear the Robbie
5: Noel rendition of that one.
2: Yeah.
1: Hey, if Brent.
5: Can find it from our beginning.
1: Brent, do you remember Ron Brown? Did you ever get to know uh, Ron? No, I never met him. Well, he was one of our guys there. He's a very dear friend of mine. And yep. uh, Ron was an insurance agent, just a delightful guy. And w- w- remember when cats was happening, the the flat tax people, and. What Ron did was yeah. he, he liked to dress up, you know, and he went out and spent, I don't know, three or four hundred dollars on a colonial outfit, you know, with the th- triangle hat and the big ostrich feather and the little short knickers and all that stuff. And he had memorized that last paragraph, uh, Nastasha, and he, cats would fly him all over the country to their meetings, and he'd come out dressed on the stage in his little Patrick Henry outfit and recite that paragraph.
4: The last paragraph? Yes. Okay. I love the first paragraph.
7: No, I, I think...
1: He- he was yeah. Ron. This is yeah. Ron. He'd go up and we'd have rallies or something. Big NAFTA rally at the Georgia Capitol down there, and he'd go find some good-looking women uh, or woman and in his little outfit, and he'd go up to her and say, "I don't know about you, but my pantyhose are killing me." <laughs> <laughs> he was Ron Brown was the life of every party he oh. ever went to. Okay just a great guy
7: but I still see no, I, that, I think what uh, that, that cool. I'm sorry. go ahead Abel. uh you know the speech touches on a point w- which is uh you know kind of the theme of, of what we've been discussing uh, in terms of you know if you think you're free right now you know do you think there'll be a better time to be more free later? Right. That's the the gist of it. He said, he said, give me liberty or or give me death. Uh, uh, I'm not going to, uh, you know, let this get any worse. Like it it was an appeal to the group. You know, if we don't do it now, when's when's going to be a better time?
1: And that's why Uh, I continue to preach our uh, toehold here. Our toehold is so damned important. These base understandings I'm trying to expose all of you to are so damned important.
3: You know, yes, that yes because you know
7: mm-hmm. what Barrow said earlier was he said you know uh, do you want freedom is the question that that everyone has to ask themselves right mm-hmm. and it comes back to what you always say about that false statement uh, you know they're none so helplessly enslaved as those who falsely believe they're free and everyone thought they were free yep. until their ox was gored in COVID and uh you know right now you know they've they've messed things up for themselves and for everyone else and so this is the time you know uh
3: so i want to say let me let I, mean, I, here. I don't in uh, the chatango someone's kind of complaining about the history and you know they i guess one of these real short memory things but um you know so they're talking about history is history and foolish and blah blah. so what did cicero say to be ignorant of what occurred before you were born is to remain always a child
2: true, true.
1: I like the way Orwell said it. Those who control today control yesterday. Those who control yesterday control tomorrow.
3: Uh, And we have this thing coming in now, the 1619 Project. Oh, my God. It turns everything on its head. Sure. So it makes it all right for black people to play the knockout game on white people.
2: Yeah.
8: So anyway.
3: Have any of you ever seen a nineteen thirty-six dramatization of Patrick Henry's famous speech?
1: Have not. <laughs> Have not, Lisa. Is it out there? Or is YouTube scratch? Yeah, I found
3: Nope, that's where I found it. That was on YouTube. I put oh. it in the chat. I'm in a free conference call. I watched, it's 20 minutes and some seconds. I watched about nine minutes of it before the show started today.
2: Okay. Oh,
1: how time. Well, it
3: won't be in there when I look in the conference call unless you repost it, but could you just give me a brief title? Is it start with 1936 or? Henry or? It, it's titled, Give Me Liberty. Ah, give thank you. So, so search that in 1936. I would say put that in there, 1936, Give Me Liberty.
1: I think that you don't ask somebody to give you liberty. I think you seize it.
3: Well, I think that's actually Roger, what was was saying. you were and, and, you know, we're... All this talk about freedom, and we hear Patrick Henry talking about God. And so things didn't manifest on their own, okay? This is all God driven. Sure. Until we sure. acknowledge that, that we're not free, okay? We're his slaves. Of course. All
2: right?
1: Yeah, I guess it's whose slave are you? Right. Is that the question? Yep. What do you got, Samuel?
5: Yeah, well, when it comes to uh, who's winning and why, and, uh, you know, the biggest stranglehold on this country has really been the Federal Reserve, right? Yep. Last night uh, on, tr- on true news they were covering the BRICS nations and their intents and how all of the it looks like Saudi Arabia and a lot of those countries are gonna go in and they're gonna back that currency It'll, it really looks like like by gold yes yeah. gonna go back to a gold standard right. and the United States plan is to have a, a digital, Mean nothing, coin.
1: Right, and and there is the the BRICS thing is an inter uh, country trade system. It's not
5: going to have a BRICS yeah. currency. Right. Well, they're they're hey, saying that gold is going to be backing whatever those commodity sets are from the different countries that they're going to work. You could still go in and cash this. These commodities in for a standard gold back, whatever it's going to be.
1: Well, I can tell you what it's going to be as you want.
8: It's already
2: happening.
1: It's uh, already in Argentina, the scarcity of dollars down there. I heard this on a Greg Reese report. They're allowing. Uh, uh, yuan or RMB, it's the same thing, in checking and savings accounts in Argentina now. And they just paid off an IMF loan with several billion dollars worth of yuan, and the IMF accepted it. Previously, they required dollars. That's why all these countries had to scramble for dollars, is they've got IMF loans, and they got to pay the IMF loans back in dollars. Argentina just paid an installment in yuan, and it was accepted.
5: That's exactly what happened to Russia. We put the sanctions on them. They had to pay things in dollars. There were no dollars, so they went in default. So they started creating new systems with their trading partners because they had the oil and natural gas, etc., to offset that. Yep. And now the rupee is the strongest currency in the world almost. Yeah. Well, Russia's probably got this one of the strongest currencies so Everything's economies. backfiring on them. Well, and even it always their little does. war in U- Ukraine is being
6: crushed. Okay, it always and, does. You know, Your
1: example right there. They put out this SWIFT system so the world can transfer dollars around for all these debts and use the dollar and then they go in and they take Russia and these other countries and they exclude them from the SWIFT system okay well we'll just build our own system which they've done and now they've got their own currency system and they're going to overwhelm this uh, global debt money crap
7: And I, I think have, it's uh, part of the plan. No, I, think, I think it's all deliberate. Like, you know, it, it, what looks like mistake to us, like they wanted to take down the dollar. They need to dethrone the yeah. empire, you know, the, the U.S. hegemon. And so to do that, the, you know, the easiest way to do it is if you kill the currency, then, uh, you know, you really, you destabilize the entire empire because it's run on the petrodollar. So uh, my, my suspicion is that they're going to have gold for bricks, right? And bricks will be the, the currency of international trade. And, all of the serfs in, in each country will have to deal with the uh, worthless uh, digital currencies that, uh, you know, they can put all these conditions on and, and, you know, delete it or choose what you can purchase, and, and so on. So,
1: well, I think the BRICS countries. City, I think sir. the BRICS countries will each have their own individual currency, but their trade is tied into the BRICS system, and their currency is stable because it is tied into the BRICS system instead of a fiat debt money, monetary system
5: yeah it's good to be and nation, you know, it sounds like on um, the commodities of and, and the strengths of those nations correct whatever that nation has correct that will be their strength
1: right and it will be or it export. will be assessed on a one to one basis no more unjust weights and measures.
6: Well, if I might uh I'm going to take up uh, Abram's causer and ask the question if this is not an inside setup job ostensibly uh, you know uh, they're 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 fighting to keep the dollar ostensibly supposedly but it, the, other, the other side of this play is if they were actually trying to perpetuate save so to speak the dollar why does Why does Goldman Sachs have vast reserves of gold and silver?
1: Oh, sure, their
6: banks oh, no, are buying up. Why why, why? why? Why would they? Because see, they, the, the, this game for for thousands of years is heads I win, tells you lose. Right. Okay, it's really. Yeah. Okay, and and. Yes, I will. So, um, this this. Uh, play is a way to keep people from domestically revolting. As a, look, look, what the rest of the world did to us, we weren't at fault. We, right. you know, we tried. Okay, it's uh, plausible you know, i being cynical. What Bob? I think Abrams right. What Bob? <laughs> plausible deniability. That's we had
1: nothing to do with yeah, it. that's what they always fall back on. Yeah. That's their one hole card. You see, that's why what we do well, here with this affidavit is so damned important. What else can you put in front of these guys where they don't have plausible deniability? They don't have it here.
8: All wars, all wars are bankers' wars, of course we're going to be in wars with a lot of countries.
1: Well, as it sure looks like it. Uh, war can take many
7: forms. Well, war. War. It'll be economic. Oh, They'll wow. come in and buy everything up for pennies on the dollar yep. and export everything that we have here and sell off our resources and so on, just like they did to Greece, just like, I mean, so what we saw happen to Ireland and Greece and, and uh, you know, the so-called pigs, which is a hilarious acronym. Uh, you know, what was it, uh, Portugal, uh, in, was, uh, India? Ireland, Greece, and Spain.
6: Yeah, okay. Yeah. I,
7: I, and, and, I just uh, want to in take
6: India. a moment, yeah, uh, I just want to take a moment and address some language here. I, I completely appreciate and understand what everybody just said. I just want to—I just want to point something out to you about the power of words. When you say "we," don't include me. Yeah. When you say it's ours, it ain't mine. Yeah. Thank you. When the, you speak, when you speak point. those words over you, you become subject and a party to it and you you have to disavow that because it isn't ours and we ate and me ate part of their we okay so i i, I disagree y'all
7: um, thank you
4: because i agree daryl the
7: resources the resources the resources are american the resources are of the people the land when they sell off our resources when they because they're stealing them they've stolen them okay They've stolen them from us, right? This is yeah. our birthright. This is the people who live here uh, uh, well, should own the land and the property, right? They they've they, commandeered it. Room? You know they've.
6: In in theory, I completely agree with you. I, I I'm locked in hands in solidarity with you. But in, in in theory, I completely agree with you. In actuality, you've never owned anything in your entire life, nor, nor have I. This was, all, this was all taken right. away because a long time ago.
7: Right. Well, that, that's totally true because of fraud, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, the yeah. fraud's not identified until it's identified. Yeah. yeah. Well, in these Bruce.
4: these countries like China and whatever, and I was involved in development, I, who have been buying up property, they don't own a Lodial title either, so... No. There's a way. Yeah, there'll be, be a way to get it back.
5: So. But they have mineral.
6: Yes. Hey, Are you do own something. Um, your freedom. You put in your affidavit and you're free. I did the same thing with the DMV and they didn't know what to do with my affidavit. So they sent it to the state DMV office to see what to do about it. There you go, folks. Yep.
8: So okay, mean, so guess, this is the reverse comic. This is the guy telling you I've already got my freedom. Now what are you going to do with it?
2: <laughs> okay,
1: fair. Hey, And that's a damn valid <laughs> it, question, John. Right in face. That's a valid question for this whole audience. Here's your freedom. Do you want to acquire it? And if you acquire it, what the hell are you going to do with it?
7: Okay, Roger. Well, you know what we need to do is we have to take back the commons because the commons belongs to us. And it belongs to everyone that's here. And and we have to, you know, free the citizen slaves and let them know they're not free. And that's, you know, that's all we can do. I mean. That's all you can do. You know, when this. yeah.
1: Bob, you had something to add there. Hold on. Bob was trying to get. Yes,
8: I do. It's kind of funny. Just, you know, I'm working during the day, so I listen to the show. But a lot of times I'm gone for 20, 30 minutes. I just lose the whole program. and. Even if I listen to most of it, you miss critical points. So I go back, and at night I'll call it up on CastBox or Global Voice. And uh, yesterday, you may recall, I was talking about playing DJ for my daughters on Sunday. Right. And I hadn't heard the front part of the show. And I'm listening to you and John wax (laughs) uh, nostalgic about all this music and DJs and the big deal and whatever and I'm just like holy mackerel! Yeah. I had no idea that it all preceded uh, what I said. And funny, uh, in my case, the big deal was Coma, 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 yep. uh, K O M A, Oklahoma yep. City. That's I'm sure right. Joe can relate. I used to listen. That to was that one. after dark. It yep. would after dark. It would come up on fifteen twenty to where I could hear it. Yep. Uh, you know, before dark, you couldn't get it. Correct. And just two notches down the dial was KSTP out of Saint Paul. Same thing. Anyway, so we uh were we were having fun with it yesterday and I, I had no idea that you guys had been on a, a a music kick for 20 minutes earlier in the show that was just kinda of funny. Yeah, that's but, you know talking about owning it and being ours and not and as Daryl pointed out not mine. Um We after we watched They Live, we got to talking about, you know, the whole deception and how deep it goes and this and that. And they, my two daughters, were trying to understand the war in Ukraine. And I said, well, it's not a surface deal that you can understand by what you see on the news. You're only seeing what they want you to see. And I took them back to the Maidan Revolution and, you know, Poroshenko's, I think I've got the right name, assassination, and all of that stuff, and, you know, Victoria it you know, openly calling for what happened, and they're just kind of, like, stunned, and I said, well, so I took them to the UNS Review, and I took them to Henry McCow and I said, look, this is so much deeper than you get. You don't understand it. I know that, and you haven't been wanting to listen. You, you get the idea of needing your freedom, but you're really not willing to put in the time because it's tedious and it's it it, it just consumes your life and you'd rather not be confronted with the fact that you've been lied to your whole life in their case maybe not because i'm their dad but you know by the by the by society at large so we finally ended up watching a 30-minute ernst zundel interviewing david irving oh and they came away from that just pretty much silent. Didn't, I mean, didn't even know what questions to ask. It was kind of like, wow, this, this. So, what did happen? I said, well, that's a really good question. We don't have time tonight, you know? Anyway, yeah. it's a process, it's take, a real process.
1: Did you take them back to Kazaria? Did you take them back to Kazaria? Did you take them that far
8: back? That came up. Well, who are these people? I said, well, <laughs> Hey. Revelation 2939, they ain't who they say they are. We know that. We know they're Kazaria. Well, where's Kazaria? I said, well, that's kind of a deep subject, but another it's night. You know? Ukraine. Talk about
1: Ukraine. Kazaria is Ukraine. All right, Bruce, you had something to add yeah. there pretty yeah. quick. We're about to get off the air here. Okay. Well, Bob, I would, uh, I would exit the program with... John Records Landecker. Records really is my middle name. (laughs) And he actually went to court and got his name changed so he could say that. See you all tomorrow.